0: Hello, this is Daniel Poppy, pastor at Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. And... um <laughs> So I just want to welcome you here today, and uh, as we faithfully pursue the living kingdom of God, we do so through the empowering of the promise of the Holy Spirit and his presence with us. And I'm going to light the Christ candle. God is always with us. This is just a symbol of that. It's not that he's not here, but I still want to light the Christ candle as that nice little visual there without setting the church on fire. Okay. All right. I'm happy to be here (laughs) and I'm ready, surprisingly, you know? Okay. I am Pastor Grace, the children and family pastor here at Emmaus. And as we are in this in-between season of searching for a pastor, I will be one of your regular preachers um, that you can expect to hear from. And today I'm happy to bring you the story of Lydia, and I'm also excited to welcome the kids. And as Daniel mentioned, we have some focus bags in the foyer. Um, those are for ages three and up because of the little fidget toys in there. Um, and then, if you think it's helpful to have some space to wiggle, we have that wiggle corner back there for you. Um, today is the sixth Sunday of Easter tide, so happy Easter. Have you been celebrating or taking note of the Easter season this year beyond the usual Easter Sunday activities? Maybe yesterday you went down to Denver to sled. Um, (laughs) I don't know. But um, maybe today we can plant and replant our plants that we planted too soon um, as a way to celebrate new life. To celebrate Easter is to celebrate God's love we celebrate that God's love was displayed through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus defeated death and rose to life and is making all things new, mending what is broken, liberating the oppressed, freeing captives, healing the sick, comforting those who mourn, welcoming the outcast and righting the wrongs and restoring all things. Psalm 67 reads, May God be gracious to us, and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known upon upon earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. Let all the ends of the earth revere him. This is our lectionary psalm for the week, and it excitingly calls for all nations, all people, to all ends of the earth to praise and celebrate God. And as we celebrate Easter and God's redemptive work, let's remember that this is for everyone It is for all people. It crosses borders and oceans and other barriers we use to exclude and to define who's in and who is out. This Easter, we remember and celebrate that God's love is for all people. And this leads me to our story today. Maybe while I'm talking about it, you'll realize a few ways this story highlights God's love extending beyond what has been imagined or believe. I will read to you from our main text, Acts sixteen six through 15 from the NRSV. You can follow along reading it also, or you can just listen. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Also just FYI, I am not going to pronounce all these right, so I'm just saying it with confidence, which is how you should say it if you ever have to read it aloud. When they had come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia, pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city for some days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Theatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. So, Paul, Timothy, and Silas were together on their way to somewhere for their missionary journey and to do the work of God in the world. It seems they didn't exactly know where they were going, which reminds me of Abraham in the Old Testament, who left everything behind to follow this God that he just met to go to a place God would take him. There's a lot of trust there. Um, And is anyone else stressed out by this lack of not knowing? I was a little. Before kids, Jason and I went on a big hiking trip um, to some national parks in Arizona and Utah. And um, I made this really crazy itinerary and um, had like campsite information and reservations and hike information. And I even um, had like MapQuest printed directions in case we lost service so we wouldn't like run out of gas and get bit by rattlesnakes and stuff. Um, so I had like a lot, it was amazing. We did get lost once, but we, we did not get bit by a rattlesnake or or anything crazy like that. But I like to plan, is what I'm trying to get at. Um, And it kind of like, comparatively speaking, they were not very specific with what was happening. But maybe that's a little unfair, um, just because they didn't have an intense itinerary, partially insane. Um, I'm sure they knew the places they'd be passing through and where would be nearby And maybe they were just more willing um, to have their plans change as the day went on and weeks went on. A flexible outline instead of a demanding itinerary, right? So on this journey, Paul and his companions were forbidden by the Spirit to go to Asia. And when they arrived to northwest Turkey and decided to go to Bithynia, they then realized the Spirit of Jesus didn't let them. I wonder if you have ever sensed God speaking to you. Sometimes it can be a gut feeling or maybe a vision or a dream um, that spoke to you about something important or something that just keeps coming up over and over in your day-to-day life with a relevance that you can't ignore. No one's really sure what led them to believe they shouldn't go to those places. Maybe there were just unavoidable obstacles. Um, or an inward prompting, what we do know is that they were being sensitive to God's leading. They were being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and intentional with how they were joining God's work. Soon they found themselves in Troas, which was a port for vessels going from Asia to Macedonia. This time, we have a description of how the Holy Spirit was leading them through the vision, the night vision, which I think reminds me of the baby spy cameras we have to like see what our kids are up to, um, with the night vision setting, where it's just like a gray scale and then their eyes are just like totally black and it's really creepy. So I just kind of like see that guy, but instead of a weird looking baby, it's a guy from Macedonia urging them to come help them. So that's kind of how, <laughs> how I picture that. Now you do too lucky you. (laughs) Um, So this vision altered their course. Um, They went on to Macedonia because they understood this to be where God was leading them. They crossed the sea to get there, to this new place where God's love was not stopped by water or borders or race. Paul and his companions were ready to join God's work in Macedonia. And apparently Luke, the author of Acts, joined them as we Notice a shift in using the word we to describe the group. It feels a little awkward to read through it and then change to we. So Luke joins them somehow. I don't know. Um, So Macedonia is in northern Greece. And Philippi was a city in eastern Macedonia. It was a Roman colony, heavily populated with Romans, and it ran on Roman principles and Roman law. The gold mines and fertile region in this area made this area prosper even more than the capital of Macedonia. I think it's important. Oh, I just missed a page, sorry. Okay. And here's a little bit of history for you. After the death of Julius Caesar, the Battle of Philippi took place there and Caesar's uh, assassins were defeated and the Roman veterans settled there um, in Philippi, and um, so it became a Roman colony. And the city received this Italian word, (laughs) I use Italicum, I'm just gonna pretend that's how you say it, Uh, which made it legally Italy. So when you were there, you were legally in Italy, even though it was not Italy. Um, But this was a very high honor to have, and uh, it basically made it a tiny Rome with some perks that other colonies did not have. And in Roman places like this one, uh, small foreign cults were not usually allowed to worship within the city walls. It would only take like 10 Jewish men to make a synagogue, which was apparently not possible here in Philippi. And it is assumed because of these things that there was not a huge involvement in Judaism at Philippi since it was being practiced outside of the city. Now, Paul would always begin a ministry in a new location at the synagogue to the jewish people but there wasn't one here so after a few days in philippi on the sabbath he went out to the river to this place of prayer he had apparently heard about and is here on the outskirts of town in this place of prayer where we meet our character lydia the dealer of purple cloth from Theatira. interestingly Theatira was in a region called lydia the people of that area were known for their production and use of purple dye. Now, I grew up in a small town in Illinois, and I was with the same kids all my years of school, from like preschool to high school. Some I graduated college with, two right next to them. Um, and throughout all this, these years, there was a, another kid at school, and his last name was Grace. And so my name at, first name is Grace. And always, 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 someone would say... Hey Grace, if you married Josh, your name would be Grace Grace. (laughs) And I should have responded, no, actually he'd be Josh Mantarian, which sounds way cooler, but I was too annoyed to think clearly, you know? Um, And besides, like, Mantarian's a way cooler name, you know? Anyway, um, I couldn't think clearly, but I think probably Lydia dealt with that. Like, oh, you're Lydia, and you deal in purple cloth? And you're from Theatira? (laughs) And so I've decided she was probably annoyed also. (laughs) I just made Jay laugh hard, and it was great to watch. (laughs) But anyway, she was Lydia, and she was from Theatira, and she sold purple cloth. Dealing with purple cloth was pretty high-end because um, the customer was royalty. Purple was a color reserved for royalty, So Lydia was a businesswoman who was well-off. She even had a house and a household and the ability to offer it to four men, which we'll hear more about soon. Lydia was at the river for prayer. Though a Gentile, Lydia was drawn to God. Though her society was full of other pagan gods, she was drawn to the one true God. Though she was wealthy and had a significant social status and probably everything she could ever need, she was drawn to God. Lydia hungered for God, and though Judaism was not common at all, she found it meaningful for her, and she became a devoted worshiper. God was already working in Lydia before Paul and his companions arrived to Philippi. I think it's important to realize that and remind ourselves of that, that we are called to take God's love to the ends of the earth, It doesn't mean we're taking God there for the first time. Or that the people are strangers to God or God's love. Those places and people are not devoid of God. God is already at work, and we join that work. We are partners in that work. Luke describes Lydia's conversion and her sensitivity to the Spirit as the Lord opening her heart. When Paul came to her group to tell them about Christ, she was ready to hear it, and quickly decisive about it god had been working in lydia and lydia was sensitive to what god was up to just as paul and his companion were sensitive to the leading of the spirit earlier in our scripture passage lydia and her household were all baptized this would include any servants or children she had scholars don't think she had a living husband or they think she could have been single they don't really know for sure what household meant, but she did have a household and they were all baptized. As a proof of her conversion, Lydia invited Paul and his companions to come stay at her home. And it's kind of described like if they didn't accept, they would be uh, saying that they didn't think she truly converted, which reminds me of a scene in my big fat Greek wedding um, when, I think it's the aunt, she asks Ian if he's hungry. And he says, no. And then she says, all right, I make you something. Uh, but like she knows she'll, that he'll probably be hungry by the time she finishes cooking, because it's going to be this massive meal. Um, and Lydia also seems to understand that Paul and his companions are going to need a place of residence um, so that Christianity will be taken seriously. And they'll need housing and a place to meet. Lydia's openness to God and her immediate leadership and action are really important. We see her responding to God right away. Paul and his companions were on a journey to share God's love with all people and were following God's leading as they went. They were also responding to God. The book of Acts, where we find this story, follows the early church. It is full of stories about people like Paul and Lydia who come to faith in Jesus, and how they respond to God and join God's redemptive work in the world. We respond to God faithfully and join in God's work of redemption in the world, making all things new. I wonder how you see yourself as a partner in this work. The book of Acts begins with the ascension of Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit, which had been promised in the book of John. The Holy Spirit is God's presence with us. Christ is no longer physically present, but the Spirit is. Pastor Daniel talked about this a few weeks ago, mentioning that the Holy Spirit teaches us and reveals God to us. The Holy Spirit convicts us and guides us to be more like Christ. The Holy Spirit unifies us and empowers us to join God's redemptive work. Through the Holy Spirit, we become the flesh and blood presence of Jesus in the world. Now, as we celebrate Easter, that God is making all things new, let's remember, this is not an exclusive redemption, because God's love is for everyone. It crosses crosses borders and bodies of water, cultural barriers, even including a Gentile woman in Macedonia. Just like Paul and his companions were sensitive to the leading of the Spirit, and Lydia was seeking and willing to respond to the Spirit, we can also be sensitive to the Spirit, too. How can you be sensitive to the Spirit and what it is doing? Can you open your hearts to how the Spirit is moving in and around us? How do you see yourself joining God's work of redemption in the world. As you take notice of the work of God around you and within you, also resolve to respond and join God's redemptive work. Be attentive to the Holy Spirit and commit to living out the love of God, which is for everyone. Carry the good news of God's love with you into the world.